Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And a very pleasant good Saturday to you, Harry Alexander. Am I Yes, I'm here. I'm not hearing you. Well, I, there's my microphone. <clears throat> oh, okay. Here we are. We're right. live. <laughs> and we're live at the uh, White Stallion Ranch. Live and twitching. Live and twitching. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and our guest. Esteemed guest. Esteemed guest is Gene Freeze. Howdy. Hey there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, after the show, you'll probably be steamed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a good oh, one. And, and we do have our, our good friend Todd Roberts. Todd, are you there? I'm here. Hey. Hey. Hi, Todd. Dang, I'm blowing my ear drums. Howdy. Up. How are you? I'm Howdy. doing good. Say, say hello to Gene, Todd. Yes. Hi, Gene. <laughs> Hi, Todd. Nice to meet you. Hi, Gene. That sounds pretty clean to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, Gene's latest book here. And it is called The Western Films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood's Cowboy Rebel. And I always have to show Harry the book because he forgets what it is. Uh, <laughs> He's busy pushing buttons. I'm busy, busy trying to get myself together. There we are. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, we got a little wind factor today, don't we? A little, a little windy today. Anywho. Um, oh, well, for the folks out there listening in and they hear that, we just that's just a touch of authenticity because we're out at the beautiful White Stallion Ranch out on the patio. Uh, and we have also with us, we have Marty Freeze who's filming this. And Marty's quite a Western historian. If he wants to pop off once in a while, he's more than welcome. <laughs> Indeed. And Todd's in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if you know Todd, Gene, or know of Todd, his... Uh, yeah, you do. His dad produced Monty Walsh. Monty Walsh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. You uh, probably interviewed him, right? No. Uh, Todd, one of these days, Gene's going to be calling you to talk to you about Western movies. You be honest with him now. Uh, Todd, Monty <laughs> Walsh is one of my favorite films. Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's everybody's favorite film. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get talking about Robert Mitchum here. He's uh, Hollywood's kind of been Hollywood's bad boy, uh, I guess. Um, certainly a rebel. He started his film career, Western-wise anyway, back in the 1940s, uh, early 1940s, where he uh, was an extra in a number of uh, hobbies. Hop along Cassidy, sure. Yeah, started out that way. So yeah. expand on that, Gene. Well, he... He graduated very quickly in the hoppies. He um, he had been working at Lockheed Aircraft, and was doing swing shifts, third shift, and was starting to lose his eyesight because yeah. he couldn't sleep during the day because he had that constant drone of the machinery yeah. <laughs> going on. So he, the doctors said, "Well, you you better quit that job." And he he had been told his sister had done some acting. Yes. in the theater and a couple agents had expressed interest in him as he was hanging around there and doing a few parts and so well, you should you know look into acting right. he said you know a, a well, job is a job i'll i'll do it i'll be an extra you know well you know that's that is interesting because one of the things is that she partially supported the family uh, and she started out when she was around eight doing um, musical stuff with a teacher and they taught her into a vaudeville act mm -hmm. she ended up doing vaudeville all throughout the New England area uh, ended up in California and, right. and that's one of the things I've always thought was neat is that their family was always an extended family people mm -hmm. came and went but they always come together yeah, and, and Robert Mitchum started coming and going at a yeah. very yeah. young age 10, yeah. 12, riding the rails right? because he thought he wasn't another mouth to feed yeah. you know, at that. well you know before we get buried in this show I want to do our new little segment here which is the uh, Voices of the West tally book as I explained to you before the show basically all it is is I want to get Something for you that is outstanding about the West and our heritage, movies, books, mm -hmm. artists, stunt people, actors, uh, some old cowboy that wrangled a horse in Sedona. Right. Somebody, you know, just something for you that we can put down for our posterity about uh, our legacy. 
Uh, I always come back to the locations themselves, the, okay. the rugged scenery, the, the mountains. Uh, I'm, I'm looking right now across the White Stallion Ranch, and I'm in Sombrero Peak and Panther Peak over here. Yeah. And it's incredible. Location, location, location. That mm -hmm. is a beautiful choice yeah. because, you know, most people, when they think about this, they go to the, you know, the obvious. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more obvious in a Western than the scenery. Right. You know, it, it tells so much that, you know, you can have the greatest story in the world, and if you don't have the scenery, look at all the town westerns that they right. were good, but, you know, they weren't Monument Valley. Right. And it's incredible that they used to do, like, gun smoke in a, inside yeah. a studio, you know, that town. Hey, yeah. Todd, feel free right. to jump in here anytime, man. Well, I, I think that um, everything you're talking about is real and, and, and without. Um, the outdoors <clears throat> you can't really imagine the West and I think that the point of, of uh, shooting um, uh, with gun smoke for instance inside um, you know I understand the cost savings and you could shoot no matter what the weather was and all the rest of it but um, I don't think it lends its 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 uh, the magnitude of the and the depth of what the West was about. Um, you know, the one time I think it's allowed is in the man who shot Liberty Valance. Ford wanted mm -hmm. to right. express his vision of the West closing in, so he shot it indoors on a set. But other than that, I I think it it goes without saying that it's better to be out somewhere in the middle of nowhere shooting. And it gives you no greater sense of reality and putting you in that moment. Well, it took somebody like Ford to be able to do that, too, because, you know, it's like the the curse of Bonanza was the ranch house set. Uh, no matter how good the episodes were, you always had that soundstage feeling watching it. Right. Well, let's see here. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I want, I, want to, I want to start off with something really, I think, bizarre in a sense about Robert Mitchell, not about him, but okay. about his story, is you know, a, back in the 40s, he co-wrote and composed an oratorio that was produced and directed at the Hollywood Bowl by Orson Welles. Now, how many actors, I love John Wayne, yeah. but he can't say that. So they say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that actually happened. I okay. believe it did, because I saw mm -hmm. it in several different sources, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, I like mm -hmm. to double check stuff right. and it's it's verified by Wells too mm -hmm. so you know in voices of two or more is established right. theoretically and I, I know so much so much you like you say so much of his stuff his story and his legend is like you don't even know whether to print the legend or not right yeah, yeah. and he'd he'd say it's all true and yeah. print, go ahead and make up some more yeah <laughs> Whatever sounds good, go right. for it. I'm just plugging in a new microphone, that's all. Okay, Harry, you look good with that in your hand. You look like Edward R. Squirrel. I, I know, I, I'm quite professional, Breaking isn't it? Quite professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's a beautiful day for baseball. Well, you know, you, any second I expect you to do one of those, one of those Ophras. Right. Uh, no, 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 I don't do those. I never did that back in my reporting days. Don't so do it good. Now. All right. Uh, where we want to go? You you guys yeah. continue because I well we want to talk about the movies or well, just sure jump or, let's just jump around talk about yeah, movies. Around. Somebody we're, has an idea. We were talking about the well, hobbies. I, I, yeah. and I would say uh, the uh, episode of the uh, hop uh, the hoppy. There was a great episode there where he's with uh, Victor Jory. Right, mm. and it's a great it's a great episode and. A lot of twists and turns, mm -hmm. and you don't like uh, Mitchum's character because uh, he's so distrustful of Hoppy. And uh, usually we horsewhip people who are distrustful of Hoppy. Right. That's right. Yes, we do. <laughs> and you know the other thing too. In that in that particular, I can't remember the movie off the top of my head, but I do remember it has one of the great movie fights between Hoppy and Victor Jory. Yeah, it was yeah. probably Hoppy serves yeah. a writ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, and it also yeah. shows you what a great actor Victor Jory is. My and, God, such depth. And I think that Mitchum picked up and adapted wherever he was at. Yeah. I think a lot of that goes back to being on riding the rails and surviving. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he was fortunate in a sense 
that on the Hoppies he had an actor like Victor Jory, and I think he he realized that this is how you play a villain. And with Hoppy, it was like this is how you you underplay and use your, that screen presence. And I think within a year or so, he had his own you yeah. know persona down pat. And you know, and that that goes back to his childhood in a way too, because mm-hmm. you know, because he moved the family moved around a lot, and they so a lot of times they were the new him and John were the new kids on the block. Right. And when he when they moved up into New York, uh, you know, they had that upstate accent and in no time at all he sounded like like it said it said in one of the pieces in the biography yeah uh he sounded like one of the mix and i and i think it was uh the western writer brian garfield that commented that mitchum was better than anyone at adapting his voice to different regions Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, well that's a survival technique i think and he learned you know riding on the rails you're in a hobo camp Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to try and stand out you're going to try to fit in right yeah well, and you mentioned Brian Garfield. He yeah. wrote a great novel called Death Wish, yeah, which sure. my father made mm-hmm. into a film. Uh, I worked on that film, was, mm-hmm. and he was uh, <laughs> also wrote so many other great um, historical Western um, books. He uh, did. He, you know, a lot of his uh, the paperback westerns that he wrote too. Yeah. Todd, going back through and reading them, and the book that ended up becoming the last Hard Men movie yeah. as well, I think it was Gun Down. Uh, reading the characters, I, I get the sense of Mitchum quite a bit, and I found yeah. I found an old interview with Garfield where he he said that Mitchum was pretty much yeah. his favorite actor, yes. and that he did model a lot yeah. of his characters on Mitchum. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things that was neat in reading. I got, I've got to say this about the book. I I mentioned it last week on the show. I've got I now have three people that for me are the go-to people for writing about the West. That is their peers above everybody else. Neil Summers, mm-hmm. Boyd Majors, and this fellow named Gene Freeze, I think. I, I think that's his name. I've heard yeah. of him. I've thank, heard of him. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you, it's your your depth of information, uh, the way you present it. Uh, you know, the the, the 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 way you present it is what a lot of people are using now. Mm-hmm. But you. To, you add with you add within the segments stuff. It, it's like a segment within a segment. Yeah, and it just it makes it just so much more alive. It's all stuff that interests me, and yeah. I and I like to think that well, maybe it'll interest someone else too. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's got my attention. Mm-hmm. You, fa- you fastly become fastly. That's a good word. Uh, fastly became become one of my go-to people and one of my favorite people well, to read. Thank you very much. Well, let's see. I would also uh, say that a film that we talked about on the show a while ago, Blood on the Moon, right. is still one of my favorite um, westerns. Likewise, it's one of mine as well. That's up, on up my in, outstanding uh, up list. Up in Sedona. Yeah. yeah, it's up in Sedona and great costuming and uh, the gun rigs are real and the the approach to dialogue is as well uh it's just a very good film i, I like the ambivalence of you his might, character in that you might well. comment on walter brennan's reaction to mitchum up there when he walked yeah. in the room and uh, saw him for the first yeah, time i think he said that's the you know garst darnest realest cowboy i've ever seen yeah you know, that's a, you know and, and there's a guy that went back to the silence playing cow, old cowboys when he was in his 20s right and worked with everybody wayne mm-hmm. mccoy I mean, he knew he knew his movie cow, and these were the early movie cowboys were just that. They weren't right. they weren't uh, drugstore. They were real yeah. McCoy. Yeah. Mitchell. Well, and it, all, mm-hmm. it also has Barbara Belgetti's from uh, yeah. Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And Robert Preston, yep. who always puts in a great performance. Yeah, Preston was good at playing the kind of He's oily the best, bad guy. One of the best lovable bad guys. Yeah, and he and Mitchum were friends. Yeah, offset as well. Well, let's see here. I'm going to just jump around a little bit again. Oh, I want to go way, way up to 1997, just to mention his last film. Mm -hmm. And that's James Dean, Race with Destiny. 
and he played George Stevens. A in little, it. little cameo role in it. Yeah, and I think his. I thought that was appropriate. I, yeah. I, I, I thought he's right. He he would have been perfect for it. And I think his son-in-law, Casper uh, Van Dyne, was playing yeah. Dean in it, and that's and that's I think why his he grandson was in there. A great, yeah, his grandson. Mm-hmm. Brandon Bo Bodu ben- Bentley or, Bentley yeah, yeah named mm-hmm. after named after an Etzel. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, you know, and that and that's that's an interesting thing. You know, with Kim playing George Stevens, fitting that part is you know you're going through the book here. You just you just like movie after movie. Every movie you've ever seen, it you thought that was a great western. Mm-hmm. He was considered for it. Just I, it seems like you know, it was like you can't make a wound without at least thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, there were at least half a dozen times where he and John Wayne, you know, were yeah. close to being paired up for different things. I think there was one called The Long Wire in the early fifties that they were gonna do with Dick Powell producing mm-hmm. and Mitchum ended up um, his RKO contract ended up ending at that and time. And Powell ended up in the hospital with cancer. That, yeah, that was even a later one that came on. I think, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Big Man, Big River, I think yeah. they were going to do in the early 60s. And you look at the titles on some of those, you go, <laughs> you go, you know, you know, you know they're still in some vault somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of like Cowboy and the Cossack, mm-hmm. you know, the legendary, <laughs> it's never been made movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were... Um, John Wayne actually wanted Mitchum to do the Alamo, too. He wanted him to play Jim Bowie. Yeah. His... Dreamcast was himself as Crockett, uh, Mitchum as Bowie, and William Holden as Travis. Ooh, that wouldn't have been neat. Yeah, and I think Holden wasn't available. The studio had Widmark under contract, and Widmark was, you know, the, Wayne said he'd be perfect for Travis, and Widmark said, "No, I want to play Bowie." Yeah. they didn't get along towards the end. They started yeah. out friends, and they, mm-hmm. they were, I guess they were, you know. That far from trading blows yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, I think Duke had so much of his own money in the project at that yeah. point that he was like, you know, sorry, Mitch, you know, Widmark's Bowie. and mm. um, we, we should do a show, <clears throat> the four of us at some point. Uh, Bunker, you and I have talked about this, the What If cast. Oh, right. I, well, I want to do what, that what, so bad. What, what if uh, Big Jake, for example, yeah. uh, had starred Robert Mitchum instead of uh, mm-hmm. John Wayne? Yeah, and, and you know, I think Billy what, Barty would have been good as, as uh, well, they, Big Jake. They kind of approached Mitchum, too, for like True Grit yeah. when after Duke had had his cancer. Yeah. And then later for the sequel, Rooster Cogburn. Well, Katie Elders was that way too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but my 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 thought on this pro- particular program would be that uh, we come up with a particular movie and then we cast it. Yeah. Who we think right. would be better in that movie, if that's even possible. Yeah. And so that that that'll do some that'll take some homework on Emo all of our parts. Emo sure. and I had talked about mm-hmm. that at once. I think time. it'd be a fun well, show. It would be awesome. We are listening to, or you are listening to, actually, uh, uh, Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Our guest is Gene Freeze. We are at the White Stallion Ranch here in Tucson. Uh, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France here. And uh, we're going to do our first commercial break, so we're going to do that. And we'll be right back after these. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. 
The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Riding down to Santa Fe, just beyond the mountains and across the way. See that sun hang low in the west, or the land I'm loving the best. Here we go. And we are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. A little bit of uh, one of my favorite guys there, Johnny Bond, and he's riding down to Santa Fe. Bunker de France is here. Gene Freeze is our guest, and Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. I think I got everything covered, don't I? Well, and we and our, our cinematographer. And our cinematographer is Marty Freeze. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's going to make us famous. Yeah. Uh, you know, we start this segment. Uh, we, there's a review in Western Clippings, Boyd Major's wonderful little publication every month, every other month, it about is. the Western movies. Mm-hmm. And it's a review of Gene's book, and I think it would be appropriate at this time for Gene to uh, read it. I will do that. Bunker, thank you. Yeah, this just arrived in the mail yesterday, so it was, um, uh, Boyd says, The Western Films of Robert Mitchum by Gene Fries is one of the most thoroughly researched Westerns book of books ever written. It's a film-by-film analysis with a plethora of detailed asides, fascinating trivia on the cast, stunts, locations, and horses, as well as quotes from other authors, including Western clippings. Anti-hero Mitchum, Big Bad Bob, has a propensity for taking no crap from anyone. With that in mind, Fries astutely provides a thought-provoking analysis into the perpetually laconic man of action and his legendary drinking and hell-raising attitude. As Mitchum was one of the last A-Western stars, Fries therefore well documents what we are all feeling, the day-by-day passing of the Western movie and TV era. From his hoppy bees to the 1990s, Fries knowledgeably lays down Mitchum's life and the Westerns he made. And I, I appreciate that from Boyd. That's, that's high praise. Mm-hmm. And it's all true. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no question about that. He's not one of those uh, guys who, who makes up stuff to uh, write about. You know, and he right? mentioned in there, you know, it, uh, Boyd pointed out about talking about the stunt guys, mm-hmm. and so often when people, when these guys write their books, and they they don't, when they break down the cast, they don't break down to the point of identifying who the stunt guys are, and he does mm-hmm. that, but he does it in a in a different way he gives the cast because a lot of times the stunt guys are doing parts right so he has a list of the of the mm-hmm. cast with the, all the characters and everybody that's there some of the extras and then he does the crew and he lists the stunt guys under the crew and so a lot of times there's a double entry there mm-hmm. but i love it because a lot of times people will see one of these old westerns and they'll see somebody in there and they'll go well gee he didn't do anything mm-hmm well, yeah, he fell off half a dozen horses, yeah. got killed about eight times, mm-hmm. uh, molested a couple of small children, and and kicked Cut, a dog, you know. Uh, a couple of horses, too. I was waiting for him to kick a dog. Yeah. Oh, he, he did it for me. He molested a dog. couple of horses. Yeah. Dog heavy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the blazing saddles. <laughs> yeah. Slim pickings. Hey, Todd. Yeah. Give us give us a little insight. Because, you're, you're, you know, I, did you ever... Uh, did you get to know Mitchum or his boys? Because you would have been, you would have been kind of in between them and in age between him and the boys. Um, no, I, I never did. But I, uh, when I was younger and thinner and better looking, I used to be said that I looked like a lot like Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Um, I had those kind of sleepy dog eyes, mm-hmm. and um, I used to say, well. 
can I have his success with with women? <laughs> um, and I was usually told no. Um, so you know, to no. that point, then I was also told that I looked like Nicolas Cage, and uh, also told no there. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but Miss, the thing about Mitchum is you can't. He's a little bit like. Um, Richard Burton was for me because his voice yeah. in narration was as good as his acting. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other one that I can think of, um, uh, and I don't, I'm not going to put down uh, Richard Kiley or Joseph Campanella, uh, who did a lot of National Geographics, mm-hmm. but uh, Orson Welles. Richard Burton and Mitchum mm-hmm. were the three that I enjoyed their acting tremendously, but I enjoyed their voiceover even right. more. Right. Um, and whether it's, uh, I point to Mitchum in Tombstone, and uh, who originally was supposed to play um, uh, Old Man Clanton. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they shot those scenes. And they kill old man Clanton in the opening scene of the right. original script. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get to really know him, but there he is with a beard. And, you know, there's a chance right now to correct, because there's, there's several books out there talking about Tombstone. And they, they say that Mitchum was supposed to play the Heston part, and that wasn't the case. No, he was always old man no, Clanton. Yeah, he was always correct to play that. old man Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. When the film was going to open up with him bringing in a herd of uh, cattle they stole from Mexico. Hot cows. Uh, mm-hmm. Up in, in Skeleton Canyon. Right. Um, and once they kind of came in and settled, uh, 25 uh, rifles would be on either side of the canyon pointing down in. And started firing, and it would kind of be described as almost like a fireworks show, because mm-hmm. you'd see the flash of the barrels repeatedly, <laughs> and uh, the whole group was killed. And then that's supposedly what set off um, uh, I Clanton to, you know, basically want to cause revenge he couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. so then he he said that he would uh, uh, do anything to for money and and that's where this scenario about him teaming up with uh, white Earp and ratting out some of the cowboys uh, that didn't uh, I, there's not enough facts to that yeah you know there's but, also uh, the, the thing is that uh, uh, old man uh, Ike couldn't fill the old man's shoes. And the old man basically no. was mm-hmm. the head of the Santa Fe ring right. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And right. So that's, that's and he handed it over to Curlyville. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and uh, Ike was also in, in more, maybe more infuriated about that than he was the other part. Yeah. Um, but I would tell you that Mitchum's voice almost is like it lulls you into this feeling of comfortability like mm-hmm. uh, Mitchum uh, 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 like Richard Burton in Zulu like hot butter mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well Mitchum starred in a number of noir pictures and um, <clears throat> w- would it be fair to say that he he did cowboy noir he did he invented uh, cowboy yeah. noir per- yeah. pursued and blood on the moon and a lot of people don't call it a western but I do night of the hunter Yes. Even though it's a southern picture, because mm-hmm. it just it feels western to me. It does. He's got the, the string tie and, yeah, and the, the hat. hat. So yeah. here's another one. Well, it is because it's good good against evil. Yeah, right. So here's and an, uh, so here's another. I also think Track of the Cat. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly, exactly. That's uh, definitely. So although so, a black a color film, it's really shot shot in, in the way you would shoot a black and white film. Black right. and white in color. Yeah. Now, yes. uh, now, I think that... George Cosmatos' his favorite film, <laughs> in my who op- directed car, uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Was it? In my opinion, 
310 to Yuma is the cowboy noir picture. Would Mitchum play that role of Glenn Ford? Would he play that role, Glenn Ford's role, different, do you think? Or would he do it with the... Would he have more intensity than Glenn Ford? I think, you know, that's where we talked about doing a kind of show like that. That's a case where you can't really compare them as opposed to, but how it would be different, not as yeah. a, not as right. opposite. Yeah, right, I, that's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. The words just aren't coming out that way. <laughs> that yeah. frequently happens. Yeah. And I think with Glenn Ford doing that, that was kind of a, a turn for him, with, yes. you know, playing a villain, and Mitchum was kind of already tapping into that, playing yeah. the anti-heroes oh, yeah, yeah. and the, the outright villains. And, and you notice, too, with Ford's villain, He's he's not playing a villain villain. He's playing a like a likable villain. He's a the kind of guy, guy. The kind yeah. of guy you know that you know you sit down at the dinner table with your wife and kid, uh-huh. you know, and you and you kind of wish you hadn't because the wife and kid are starting to like him better than they like you. Yeah, yeah. Jekyll's kind of the live wire yeah. in that film. Yeah, well, I love Jekyll. Yeah. That. We are talking with Gene Freeze about his a new book, the Western films of Robert Mitchum. Hollywood Rebel. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker de France is here. I'm here, too. We are all at the White Stallion Ranch, and we've got to do another commercial break, so we're going to do that and be right back after these messages. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. Man, this is frustrating. It's taken me like five minutes just to load my homepage. Did you try control alt delete? Uh huh. Did you jiggle the cord? Uh huh. Did you turn it on and off again? Uh huh. Call Arizona Computer Guru. Don't let viruses get you down. With our Guru Protection Service, we'll keep you virus free. In fact, if you were to get a virus, we would fix it for free. Speak to a technician right now at 304 8300 or at azcomputerguru.com. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movies Out podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movies Out podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases. But there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubbs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movies Out podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movies Out. Until then, and that's a wrap. Hi there, little friends. 
This is just a thought about guns. I was doing a scene one time in one of the pictures, and the boy that was working with me was twirling his gun on his hand and playing with it. I said, what are you doing with that gun, Lucky? He said, I was just playing with it. I said, those things are not to play with. They kill people. So watch your guns, children. Be careful with them, won't you? I am always careful with my firearms. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West here on a Saturday. Uh, the last Saturday of February. It happens yeah. to be a leap year of all This things. is Sadie Hawkins Day. Sadie Hawkins Day. It's uh, also... Well, then you got a shot, Bunker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is the one day of the year I don't have to worry about being pursued. I'm safe. And, 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 <laughs> they, get, they quit a long time ago. And, and yesterday, I, I celebrated my 48th wedding anniversary. Yeah. That is... Thank you. That is 17,000... 17,266 days, I think it is. But who's counting? <clears throat> that, that includes the leap year. Uh-huh. It sounds like the a woman, short timer's chain. The woman is a saint. She is. <laughs> <laughs> to stick with this guy for 48 years, she certainly is. No question yeah. about it. But, uh, yeah, I love at first sight. We were high school sweethearts, by God. Yeah, that's and I have, I have wrecked this woman for life now because... On Saturday nights, all she can think about is watching westerns. And you, you know, this—that's—that's that's one of your connections. You know, the degree of separation with Robert Mitchum, because Dorothy was his his uh, kind of, I guess, his girlfriend yeah. in high school mm-hmm. too. Yeah. 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 So well, I've got a question for all of us now, because okay. I think I think this is super pertinent. Robert uh, Robert Mitchum probably had the broadest, if shoulders in Hollywood who else can compete with him when the shoulder department just that you know that Wayne had it later on Jack but Mahoney Clint Walker Walker yeah, yeah. and Mahoney do you agree Jack Mahoney yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. you know, there's, he had that carriage. You know, mm-hmm. the, cho- the shoulders thrown back. But and you you look at him, and he had shoulders like like. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right. really, he had that V shape, yeah. uh, and it was just a nat- It wasn't he wasn't a bodybuilder or anything. He was just a natural, natural that, body. That was one of the funny things about Mitchum too, and I think he did work at it, but he he didn't want people to know yeah. that he worked at it. Yeah. He'd say, you know, they asked him about exercise, and say, oh, I breathe in and I breathe out. Yeah. you know, but I think he probably did the a uh, secret pumper. Yeah, the the Charles Atlas dynamic tension yeah, stuff yeah. probably in his hotel room, and uh, what's he your, was always in shape. Gene, what's your favorite Mitchum movie? I think Blood on the Moon. Yeah. Yeah. That's partly because of Sedona, partly because of the, the Mitchum persona yeah. and character where he's he doesn't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy through a lot of the film because mm-hmm. Preston's brought him in, an old friend who wants his gun handling ability, and then he ends up, you know, aligning with the ranchers, the homesteaders. Yeah. And also the he and Preston have a great fight scene. Yeah. And they, they do a lot of their own Stunt, uh, stunt work in well, that you know, fight. Preston was he, he knew he knew what he was doing. Preston was a boxer. Yeah, yeah, and Mitchum was a boxer too. Yeah. Mine, mine. It's not a western, but Thunder Road. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I like cars. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I want to throw in there because, and a lot of people downgrade this one. I think it's one. I put it up there with Blood on the Moon and Night of the Hunter. But wonderful country. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that movie just—I I watch it every time I get a chance. It's just something about that story, the him and the horse. Yeah, you know, and the ending. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 a downbeat ending for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about well, he threw the gun away, and that, 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 he threw the gun away because of the horse, not right. because of the bad guys or because of Julie, Julie London. Mm-hmm. Todd, what's your favorite Mitchum movie? Well, as I said, it's Blood on the Moon, right. but to speak to George Cosmatos, who's no longer with us, the director of Tombstone, who put him in to do the voiceover, his three favorite uh, Mitchum films were Track of the Cat, yep. The Sundowners, yep. Yep. and The Bandito. Bandito, Bandito. Kind, of, kind of flies <laughs> under the radar, too. It's a kind of a tongue-in-cheek action film. And yeah. Mitchum had a hand in producing it as well, yeah. and even and writing it. Neil Summers. I only, know, I only know this because mm-hmm. when I knew uh, or was kind of hanging out a little bit with Cosmazos before mm-hmm. he moved back up to Canada and then passed, 
he said, um, I'm moving and, uh, you know, uh, you, you, I know you love movie posters and memorabilia. You better go over to Butterfields mm-hmm. and up on Sunset. And I said, why? And he said, because all my stuff's up there being sold. Uh-huh. So I ran up there and there was nothing left. You never And uh, there were these three pieces were left. Mm-hmm. And I bought them, and uh, it it was just a very interesting how he had picked those three films. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Sundowners, which is an Australian mm-hmm. western, and yes. another of my favorite right. mentioned performances, and the, yeah. Deborah Carr, and the accent. Mm-hmm. He hit, nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Gene, how did you get interested in all of this? I mean, your dad works out. At old Tucson, doing stuff and uh, other yeah. movie goodies. I we, mean, what, just was it osmosis? Or? We we grew up in the Midwest <laughs> and uh, played sports, baseball mm-hmm. through the summer. But I think we were snowed in in the winter. Yeah, and we watched TV. And before cable really came along, we had you know the the three network stations. And after school, you had an after school movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that was a John Wayne film, Charlton Heston film, mm-hmm. maybe a Mitchum film. I remember. Watching The Longest Day, uh, yeah. maybe like Five Card Stud with Mitchum and Dean Martin, mm-hmm. El Dorado with him and Duke, and just kind of knowing those films, being aware of them, and then watching the, the TV seasons, which is where I started learning right. about character actors and the stunt guys and who would go from show to show playing the bad guys, and I started learning the names. Now, who's that guy? And I started writing them down, keeping a little log. I don't know why. You know, you know I did stuff like that. And it was one uh-huh. of the fun things back when TV Guide came out. Yeah. I would look through the TV Guide, and I'd look at the cast. And I didn't, I didn't care if it was Have Gun or Bonanza or right. whatever. I'd look to see who the guests were. Mm-hmm. And I'd look for, you know... Uh, uh, Bob Wilkie, and yeah. all the guys that nobody cared about, and that, that's and then I'd watch those shows because they were in it, and I did the same. Yeah, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I, <laughs> when I was in college, I was playing baseball, and I worked at a video store, and we got to take home oh. two movies a night. Oh, westerns, right? <laughs> all the westerns, all the classics, yeah. all the yeah. Norse, and I think that kind of really. Yeah. Helped educate yeah. me as well. Yeah. Every, every, when when yeah. we watch movies on Saturday nights, my wife just sits in her chair and looks at me and just says, "Damn you!" Yeah. For what you have turned me into. Yeah. <laughs> she's a, she's a, a cowboy movie prairie from. She she loves it. Yeah. She yeah. loves it, man. Yeah. I don't well, know how she ever grew up not one. I mean, I've got she she she. This is the woman when she was in junior high, I think, is when True Grit came out. And she and her girlfriend saw that six times <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but other than that, never really much in the way of westerns. You know, I've got to throw out because uh, on the Grit Channel on Friday nights now, they've been rerunning the old uh, Lone Star monogram Wayne's, mm-hmm. but they're colorized. Okay. And I've got to say, it blew me away. I have never seen anything colorized that actually. You're sitting there thinking, this looks better in colorized than it did in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think black and white is the perfect medium. I, but I like they just definitely black and white. But the things. color is so natural. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not the, the brilliant Technicolor. The, it's. It's not muted. It's mm-hmm. just. It's just like. It's like looking out here. This is the way it looks. That's the way. That's the way us Warwick actors would look at them. Right. Whoever did it, the technology is just amazing. Good. With Bob Mitchum, Robert Mitchum. Mm-hmm. His off-screen antics were, well, he got in troubles uh, with the law frequently. Right. Did that hurt his, uh, hurt him in his career, or did it enhance him? I think a little of both. I think when he when he first got busted the, mm-hmm. the first time for smoking marijuana, which was in 1948. Kind of set up. And I think he thought that his career was over. Yeah. And he had three films in the can, which, which happened to be, I think, Rachel and the Stranger, right. Blood on the Moon, and The Red Pony, and they all came out at the, you know, within well, a short time of one another. And the audiences right after erupted. that, he got his nomination for GI Joe, supporting actor nomination. Yeah, just a little before that. I think. Yeah, but it was the timing was mm-hmm. so. You know, he was. If you're going to get busted, that's the best time to get busted is when you're you're yeah. really hot and almost too hot for yeah. the studio it, not to let you down. It was a little counterproductive in a way because Howard Hughes, who who yeah. took over RKO, he was a, a Mitchum fan, uh-huh. and Mitchum kind of let himself 
get um, before jail. he got busted in jail, but he he let a uh, money manager rip him <laughs> off too, a friend mm-hmm. of his. Yeah. So he had to work. And Howard Hughes basically said, "I'll give you a loan, you know, if you work, you know, ten years." Yeah, for RKO, and he and Hughes liked those, you know, the kind of detective noir films, yeah. the low budgeters, and he kind of stuck Mitchum through a steady parade of those, where Mitchum would say the the only thing that changed was, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the leading lady, yeah. and he called them gorilla pictures because yeah. he said I'd spend ninety minutes getting pounded on by gorillas, and she'd yeah. lift me up out of the <laughs> yeah. out of the pile at the end of the photo. Yeah. There's, you know, the movie. there's, I can't, maybe you remember, there was one movie that uh, Hughes kept going in there and reshooting it, yeah, it was, with Mitchum, and it was, the, it was one of the gorilla movies, yeah. where he, you know, but he also, Mitchum said that he, he thinks that Mitchum was, I mean, that Hughes was living vicariously through him. Right, yeah, it was his kind of woman, yeah. and they, they shot it. I think it was John Farrell that shot it originally, and then they brought Richard Flesher in to redirect, you know, mm. more scenes. But it, it went on for like over a year. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was supposed to be a 90-minute B pick, and. Um, well, look at how many Jet Pilot was that way, you know? Yeah. It was like years. Yeah, Hughes before. was always tinkering. The the bad guy in the film, um, I can't remember the, who it was the first time. Yeah. But uh, Hughes ended up saying. The movie's great, but I don't like the villain. Let's yeah. let's reshoot it with a new villain. So they had to go back and reshoot with um, Bob Wilkie. Yeah. And then he decided, yeah, I don't like Wilkie in it. Let's go back and get Raymond Burr. Yeah. And this went on for like a year with yeah. Mitchum getting basically beat on and pounded on. You yeah. know? And there were movies during that period that they wanted him for, like yeah. A Streetcar Named Desire and From Here to Eternity, the Brando part, the Lancaster part, yeah. that he didn't get to do. Because Hughes just kept tinkering with that film, and Mitchum resented it in a way. But at the yeah. same time, you know, what are you going to do? Because yeah. I'm indebted to yeah. Hughes. And- we are talking with Gene Freeze, author, and his uh, latest book is uh, The Western Films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood Rebel. And it is a most excellent book. Highly recommend that you pick one up. You can find them at... Uh, well, I know you can find them at Amazon, local bookstores too. Amazon, right? the publisher's McFarland out mm-hmm. of North Carolina. But you can uh, go down to Barnes and Noble. If it's not in there, you can order it. Yeah, but you can order it. do do pick it up because it is it is a very very good read. Well, it should be in everybody's it. library. Yes, mm-hmm. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker to France is here, and I'm here too. And uh, we'll be right back after these very important messages. Stay tuned. <laughs> Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. 
14 generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Old Western Radio Theater every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. B.O.W. Radio. And here we are, our final segment of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander and Bunker de France are at the uh, White Stallion Ranch. Here in Tucson, a beautiful place. It's our movie Saturday, and our guest is uh, Gene Fries, author of uh, the uh, Western films of Robert Mitchum, Hollywood Rebel, and in Los Angeles is our good buddy Todd Roberts. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, yes. wh- what a cast of strangers. Holy macaroni. Uh, strange people. So just to <laughs> throw out a, something from left field, uh, a Western, although modern-day Western, is uh, Home from the Hill. Yes. yes. And that's included uh, in the book. And I was kind of on yeah. the fence with that at first. And then I thought, because it's East Texas, and mm-hmm. modern. And I thought, no, he, he nails that character yes. so yeah. well. Yeah, he's you know. so, he I, has uh, a great line uh, telling our Parker, the wife, uh, she's raised the boy. You know, he's now 1920. Right, George Hamilton. And, uh, uh, George Hamilton. And he says, and she's like, you know, we had an agreement. I'd, I'd allow you to philander. Uh, the ladies, if you allowed me to raise our son. Right. And he said, uh, Eleanor, you had him all his life. Now it's my turn. Right. Yeah, because some of the. And lo- I'm going to make him a man. Yep. Some of the locals are starting to tease him. And, yeah. Uh, big Boy Williams is one yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, I love Big Dub Boy Taylor, Williams. I think. Oh, God. Yeah. What a, a great character. Yeah. Western on for tonight to, with Big Boy Williams. I can't remember the title of it. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know, he was he was a fairly good. Uh, good actor. Good, uh, in yeah. the silence and then in yeah. the early sounds. Yeah. He, you know, he starred in a few pictures and, and he, he was, carried his he own. He was picture. with Mitchum in Mitchum's first RKO picture yeah. that he did when Tim Holt went in the Army, which was Nevada. Yeah. And I think, and Big Boy Williams was a real cowboy. Yeah. And I think he had an influence on Mitchum because he said, you know, this, the real cowboys, you know, right. they don't dress in, you know, all the, yeah. you know, the nudie con. Well, you know, it's like Yakima, Canut, and Wayne. Right. You know, two, and, both of these guys had enough sense to look at the real McCoys right. and go, this is the way I go. Now, and, I don't go, I don't go to Tom Mixway. Right. You, you don't want the singing pockets or the smiling pockets. <laughs> yeah. and, and Mitchum's double on that film was Ben Johnson. Yeah. And he was riding the horse Steel, which was a great movie horse. Oh, you yeah. know, that brings up a neat thing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think three of the last of his tours, the last, were his horses that he rode. Yeah. You know, Good Guys and the Bad Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what were the other two? Uh, Young Billy Young. Young Billy Young. And I think. Uh, was it? Because yeah, he, he, he yeah, rode. Five card stud, maybe? I think that. Well, he didn't really ride that no. much in five card stud. Yeah. It was one oh, of. Oh, it was uh, the Way West. The Way West, yeah. yeah in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking, you know, uh, the, I think the greatest rodeo movie I've ever made, The Lusty Men. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, between him and Arthur Honeycutt and. He, he, and uh, and Arthur Kennedy, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's one of Kennedy's best westerns and that, too. That's another of my favorite Mitchum performances, where yeah. you just feel, you know, every ache and pain that he's he's got in his body. You wanted to mention the passing of uh, an, an individual. Uh, ben Cooper passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. God, I worked. With, he was a nice guy, really yeah. not mm-hmm. sweet guy. Yeah, and uh, lots of westerns. Johnny Guitar. And oh, yeah. Mitchum was supposed to play in Johnny Guitar too. They wanted yeah him for and, Sterling Harrington. Yeah, Park. which Nicholas Ray had done Lusty Men mm-hmm. and wanted to follow up with Mitchum, and they, yeah, they the went funny thing is, out of RKO at the time. When you when we we talk about these like the professionals, mm-hmm. you, you talk, you could actually see him 
doing a what if, you could actually yeah. see him playing those right. parts. Yeah, yeah the, the Wild Bunch. Yeah. Sam Peckinpah wanted him for that. He wanted him for to play Pat Garrett and Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. He wasn't fond of Peckinpah, though. I, I think Mitch and always. He said he used to look at a strip and look at location. You know, was there somewhere where he could go fish, yeah. you know, nearby? How many days <laughs> off did he yeah. have? And, like, he chose Five Card Stud instead of Wild Bunch because mm-hmm. he said, yeah, what do I want with crazy Sam Peckinpah down in Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you know, be staying in better accommodations, you know, doing Five Card Stud yeah. with Dean. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I showed you this poem before mm-hmm. we did the show because, uh, you know, we haven't talked that much about his personal life and the kind of guy he was, but... He was a poet. He started he writing was. poetry as mm-hmm. a kid, you know, I think because his mom was a terrific influence right. on him. Uh, and this is a poem he wrote, and when you hear it, it's short. You you see him, and you see his feeling towards movies, and I think poetry also is a great insight into a, an individual right. writing because what mm-hmm. it takes you to write a poem. It's called The Rain. I hate the rain here on location. We're knee-deep in fake blood and mud. And the asshole director with no soul calls for us to make another take. I'm going to leave this all soon. All the celebrity with its paper moon, love and bulb-popping phoniness. There's no space for anything but loneliness. Yeah, he'd, he'd finish a movie... And he said that his wife understood. He'd, he'd get in his car and just drive. Yeah, you know, he just—he always was, was looking it, for something. Was he over a moody? Was he a moody kind of guy? I think he could be, and I think that was accentuated later in life with because he he liked to drink. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe by the time he got into his mid fifties or so, the alcohol started getting a little bit more of a grab on him, which was. There was guys who tried to, you know, keep up with him and couldn't. No, no, there was no. guys like him Errol, and Wayne were about the only two yeah. that could drink together. Yeah, Errol Flynn was dead by the age of fifty. Yeah. You know, and Mitchum was, you know, still tan and robust and doing shirtless scenes and at sixty. It's like yeah. you mentioned in the book yeah. too. The stunt guys, when they would drink with him, yeah. there'd be about four, three or four or five of them, yeah. and they're drinking shifts. Mm-hmm. They're drinking. One guy'd go off and sleep for a while, yeah. and then come back, and he, but uh, eventually all of them would be down anyway. Yeah, and uh, Roy Jensen was yeah. doubled him. Some like on River and No Return up in Canada. Which so, is, sounds like a visit to uh, my friend Todd Roberts's place. Mm-hmm. And you know the other thing too is I, I resemble that after all of this legendary drinking, and this is sometimes like drinking until dawn. Yeah, he'd be yeah. at the, he'd be up there six o'clock, five o'clock call. Uh-huh. If 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 he hadn't drank, yeah. letter perfect. Everybody always commented mm-hmm. on how perfect he was. That's, Photographic how memory. How professional mm-hmm. he was. Uh, you know, he and didn't suffer fools. He, he thought of the film crews as sort of like extended family, yeah. too, because he did have such a roustabout existence growing up. And I think especially at RKO, when he, when he well, we started doing the Hoppies, and then at RKO, yeah. the B-Westerns. And I think he, he always liked the Wranglers and the, yeah. the Grippers and well, know, the like, Juicers. It's like Lee Marvin was that way mm-hmm. because he could get away, as he would put it, get away from the phonies. Right. Which is talking about the directors and the producers mm-hmm. and the other actors. Yeah, and and Wayne was that way too. Yeah. Where he and Mitchum were always the first on the set. And when they did El Dorado, you know, yeah. here in Old Tucson, they they'd be the first out there you know, yeah. before know their parts. And, and they became buddies on that film too. Yeah. They, they finally got together, and they were. Um, uh, Howard Hawks wanted them to do Rio Lobo yeah. two together, and Mitchum, I believe, was over in Ireland the time yeah. making Ryan's daughter and, yeah. and couldn't. That was a good movie. It was a strange kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But it, and it was, I guess, the last of the great uh, epic love stories. Ryan's daughter, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We are plum out of time. Wow. I know. That it was, was quick. Wow. Was fast, uh-huh. they're, they're always fast. Uh, check your watch. Right? we got to have at least another half hour. These, these I, hours I appreciate go, you having me. And these hours, any time, my friend. Sure. Any time. Uh, no, we haven't Harry, exhausted this. We can do this please, one a, uh, half a dozen times. Uh, yes, Todd. Give Gene my info yes. so I can buy a book from him. You betcha. I appreciate that, Todd. You betcha. A signed copy. You betcha. You got it. <laughs> We will do so shortly after the program. That's and it. Harry will sign it too. Yes. I'll sign it too. Why not? Uh, yeah, hell? Harry will attest that I have a thing for books. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, he does. Uh, probably as much as Bunker does. That's it for this edition of uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Thank you so much for being with us. What are we doing next week? I have no idea. How need them? We are doing how need them. Yeah, oh, that's right. You want to fill? You want to join us and call in or maybe? Yeah. How need them? 
Yeah. How neat of it is. That's our next Emo Frenzy's Voices of the West. Until then. Adios. So long. Happy <laughs> trip. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.